Welcome to Locked On Bucks. This is a new voice, a new host, Kane Pittman. And as discussed on Friday's episode, the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast is going absolutely nowhere. <laughs> Frank Madden <laughs> joins me today for this podcast that is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the number one place for men's below-the-belt grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at manscaped.com. And Frank, I I nearly held it together for that intro. And the reason for that is that uh, the line of you going absolutely nowhere, I think, was a little bit aggressive. (laughs) And I just want to clear it up that that was in no way, shape, or form uh actually uh related to your life it was just purely the podcast and i want to clear that up (laughs) i've been treading water for years uh in life in general so it's it's fine i mean it's 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 not untrue uh there there it it cut a little bit close to home the first time you said it but uh i'm okay with it i'm okay with it kane i'm i'm glad for you to be here um if if anybody didn't listen to the episode last week yeah you uh as you mentioned you are a new voice um you've been on the podcast obviously previously but if anybody missed it uh our dear friend eric name is uh departing locked on bucks um we'll let him discuss anything else he does on his own on his own terms (laughs) we will not say any more about that but um it was all good and uh i'm sure we'll talk to eric on this podcast at some point in the near future, but um, yes, Eric is uh, going to continue doing his thing, and we will continue being his friend. But uh, we will be doing this podcast together. Uh, you'll be leading the show, uh, and uh, is kind of you know the beginning of a huge season, Kane. So you're uh, you're being thrust into uh, into the the spotlight here uh, with the Bucks, obviously coming off a 60 win season, and um, I guess we're starting off though somewhat easy because. You know, we've just got some kind of preseason games to to discuss, but um, I think the the one thing we were trying to figure it out um, on uh, what just now we were discussing uh, did the Bledsoe news about Eric Bledsoe being injured and missing perhaps perhaps two to three weeks, although uh, unclear if it actually going to be that long. But um, the rib injury he suffered uh, during the game we discussed when Eric, you and I were last talking. Um, Sounds like it was obviously a little more serious than was first believed. He's going to miss some time. We just watched the Bucks play Friday and Sunday, uh, beating the Mavericks. And the uh, I was about to say the Capital City Go-Go, uh, but no, it is not the <laughs> G League uh, Wizards. It was the actual Wizards uh, on Sunday. Um, so I, we were discussing, it probably makes sense, I guess, to talk about uh, the Eric Bledsoe injury and kind of what that means, because... Let's be honest, preseason basketball, not necessarily the most consequential thing. There's not really a, I mean, we don't even really have like a true end of the, you know, last roster spot battle um, going on right now. So um, kind of a low key preseason for the Bucks, but obviously, you know, probably the one X factor that we were hoping not to talk about much in the preseason was, of course, injuries and the Bledsoe injury obviously changes the dynamic a bit because let's be honest, if, you know, there was one big thing ha- happened in the summer. It was Malcolm Brogdon leaving, and obviously you lose Eric Bledsoe now for you know maybe maybe no games in the regular season, but maybe a few games. Um, it's going to put that guard depth in the spotlight real quick. Yeah, and uh, I just I just, I just want to quickly touch on you said about the the last roster spot battle, and it, you're, you're right in, in in that regard. I know I was watching 
the game uh, the other night against the Mavericks, and and there was a late couple of uh, big players. The Bucks finished the finished the game off with the win, and the Paschke, Jim Paschke actually said, "Look at this team celebrating with each other with guys that aren't even going to be here in a few weeks." And then he goes, <laughs> and he goes, "Well, actually, Bender will be here, but the other guys won't be." And I was like, "What? I'm like, what am I listening to right now?" But uh, so yeah, you're right. From that point of view, we sort of know what's happening. But the Bledsoe one was. It was interesting how this happened. Originally, it was an oblique strain. Then maybe it was fractured ribs. And it's not fractured ribs. It's just fractured cartilage. And they have since announced that this actually isn't going to be an injury that he can do more damage to. It's more down to pain tolerance, which I always wonder when uh, you talk about that and make that public because <laughs> basically now you're saying if, if Bledsoe doesn't play against Houston in the opener, then he, he can't handle the pain, right? I mean, it's like you put the guy in such a tough position to play. And I think if Eric Bledsoe was going to miss one game for the season, you could probably argue that Houston's the team you don't want him to miss. So it, it, I, it's it's an interesting position they're going to be in. Yeah, yeah Eric Bledsoe, the uh, innovator of the um, intentional matador uh, defense against James Harden. Um, it's it's still weird to like look back on those games last year against the Rockets because, you know, I think the story from Mike Budenholzer was that, you know, it was the way the Bucks defended James Harden basically saying, you can take your right all day, but we're not going to go let you go to your left. Um, and and basically Bledsoe sort of took that to the extreme, <laughs> to the extreme just basically putting his arms yeah. up and funneling him to the right. And, um, you know, I think in the first game, especially Harden sort of eventually figured it out a little bit. Um, but in that second game, you know, Eric Bledsoe outplayed James Harden, right? Which certainly isn't something you expect to say has to happen in a Bucks Rockets game. But if it does happen, obviously you're going to expect the Bucks to win. And, and Giannis was was really not a huge factor in that second game, but but Bledsoe was really good. So, uh, so yeah, absolutely, I think Bledsoe would have been really valuable to have in that second game, or sorry, in that that Rockets game, um, especially because I'm going to be there in person. So you know, great, one more important piece that uh that maybe isn't going to be there but um but i guess we'll yeah we'll see um and it was kind of interesting how it came out given shamsaranya first tweeted out early friday morning that you know it's a fractured rib about two to three weeks um and everyone's like okay okay you know trying to sort through that and then you know trying to doing the math i think at the time the bucks opener was like 13 days away so so basically two weeks out from there um so two three weeks yeah i mean like lee says it's total dice roll if he if he's available or if you're going to miss him for the first few games and then uh, matt velasquez of the general sentinel reports like per john horst that it wasn't actually a fracture of the rib it's fractured cartilage which i i'm not going to tell you what it means to fracture cartilage but basically yeah that it was essentially like a pain tolerance thing and i agree it's a little bit weird because then it's basically kind of putting that pressure on Bledsoe, but I'm sure the team is not going to rush him back, obviously, you know, especially given the lack of depth at the point guard spot. I mean, you know, I think one of the questions obviously this summer was, or at least I expected when, when the Bender signing was announced was I was like, okay, well, wait, you're not going to sign a, a point guard with your third, <laughs> with your third spot. Cause you know, you lost Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, you didn't bring back, uh, you know, the, the uh, 48 minute slash 53 minute warrior, Tim Frazier. Uh, who was the uh, ceremonial um, play the entire game guy when the Bucks rested players late in the season? Um, so yeah, you you are basically you have two point guards, and then you have you know obviously Giannis can do point guardish things in terms of offensive initiation. You had Dante Divincenzo who can maybe you know 
quack like a duck, you know, look like a duck at times, with, in this case, a duck being a point guard, but he's not a point guard. Um, so going with basically Frank Mason, a two-way guy, as essentially your third string, you know, nominal point guard, um, was interesting to say the least. Uh, and he's obviously played a fair bit here in the preseason with Bledsoe um, not playing at all in Chicago, Mason starting with, you know, basically all the regulars not playing that first game. And then, um, you know, Mason obviously playing a lot in these last couple of games as well with Bledsoe only paying what, like 10 minutes total or something like that. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, you tweeted it out right away. I think it, it definitely puts Frank Mason for one um, in the spotlight way more than we expected Frank Mason to be in the spotlight early in the season. Um, but, yeah. you know, again, not that that's kind of the only option for, for backup point guard, but, you know, presumably this puts George Hill into more of a spotlight but I don't know. It also wouldn't totally shock me if I don't. I don't know if I would commit to this, but it wouldn't completely shock me if they started um, Mason or maybe even Dante Divincenzo, and to in order to kind of keep Hill in that bench role, just because they sort of always have kept Hill in that bench role. And I think it was um, I think last year, and there was that game where Isaiah Cannon didn't. Did Isaiah Cannon start a game? Am I making this up? I I didn't go back and look at it, but like. It, it yeah. was in Chicago. I know it was on the road. I can't remember if he played or he, uh, or I if he started, because, but he played a lot. Yeah, he definitely played. Yeah, he definitely played. And I remember, I still, I probably will never forget this. We were, we were talking to to Bud before the game, and given the situation, we were like, oh, maybe there's a point guard coming on. And Bud sort of smiled and said, maybe. I can't really confirm that. And then, it, little did we know, directly behind us, Isaiah Cannon was in Bucks gear, warming up in the hallway of the United Center. Probably. Just joined the team about. Oh yeah, and I, was and, about to play and, and I apologize. Bledsoe and Brogdon were both healthy at that point, but Cannon did play 12 minutes, so he was basically nominal point guard in that game. Um, I think that was when Hill was was out. So anyway, totally got that backwards. But but yeah, I mean, let's say Bud not afraid to throw guys into the mix, you know, kind of somewhat randomly. Yeah, Frank, and Frank Mason is. I mean, again, you sort of touched on it. Right? I think if you were saying, oh, this is a legitimate title contender in the NBA and their backup point guard on opening night is a two-way guy, you probably don't expect that. But uh, Frank Mason is kind of a unique two-way guy as well in the way that he has played significant minutes with, with yes, it was the Kings, but at NBA uh, level the last couple of seasons. I think that's interesting that you point out that maybe they will try and keep George Hill with the second unit, uh, and maybe this is just me being paranoid about it, but but all summer, maybe George Hill was the guy that I was, I wouldn't say overly concerned about, but that I really wanted to protect through the season in terms of his minute load and how, how much he plays because um, we saw when we got to the playoffs last year and he was able to get over a few of those niggling injuries that he had and he got to the to the playoffs and was such a, a critical player in, in big moments for, uh, for Bud and for the Bucks. So, I don't think he's a guy you want to play, uh, you know, 82 games, 20, 20 plus minutes a night if you can help it. And looking at the roster construction as it was as it was put together, you realize that you really were one injury away from George Hill being a, a major, major player uh, in the rotation. It, you know, he was always going to be, but those those upper upper 20s minutes, perhaps they may need from him on opening night. So uh, I think from that point of view, it's not ideal. And with Dante, you there is a big push, I think, from the fans. They're really, really excited about Dante. <laughs> Premature. He's done some really good things uh, through preseason. It's been hard to watch a game and not come away with at least a couple of really positive 
uh, I suppose, thoughts about Dante from the preseason. But I do think that the the point guard DiVincenzo push is a little bit of I I just think you know what it reminds me a little bit of the DJ Wilson stuff with the fans last year. Where yeah, and, and I mean the best the best argument, and I mean I think if you put a gun to my head, and um, as regular listeners know, we uh, guns often get put to heads in this pod. It's a very violent podcast. Uh, but if gun gun to my head, I mean George Hill has started the last two games, so I mean certainly like that would be probably the best indication of what Bud is thinking in terms of you know how he papers over in uh, Bledsoe's absence. Um, so again, I think your probably best guess is that you would see Hill. Um, start in lieu of blood, which makes sense given, you know, as you, as we've been saying, there isn't even that the Bucks had enough confidence to give an NBA contract, a full NBA contract to for the third point guard spot. So I would imagine, yes, it will be chill with, uh, you know, again, the presumptive rest of the starting group, Wes Matthews, probably, um, and then the easy ones are obviously Chris Giannis and Brooke Lopez. Um, and so I, I think it's an interesting question. And it, it's also kind of, um, I think there's also value in doing that just because in the back of our minds, there is that question about, can Eric Bledsoe be trusted in the biggest moments? <laughs> and so, you know, I mean, they've been very lucky in that Bledsoe has been remarkably healthy in the two years that he's been in Milwaukee. You know, I mean, I think we all know the the story of, of when he was acquired. Obviously, there were concerns around, you know, multiple issues with, with his knee, you know, how many, uh, um, uh, you know, um, menisci menisci meniscuses uh however you pronounce it um how many does he actually have left in his in his in his, in his body um having multiple injuries there um but again kind of knock on wood he's obviously managed to avoid injuries that would be you know really concerning and obviously um you know a rib injury um i've i've never like gone to the doctors for a rib injury but i did um people who are actually listening to us in the summer may recall i played some basketball and got like destroyed by a friend of mine who flew into me and like knocked me to the ground <laughs> my ribs hurt for like multiple weeks and probably most of that is me just being again like a washed dad yeah. who's 38 year old um so i think eric is a little bit better at sustaining uh blows to the body than than i but, um but yeah i mean you hurt anything with your ribs um you know people who've done it i think will all tell you even though it's not like a something that you know again is like a really severe long-term injury or something like that the injury like the pain relative to the surgery is extremely high um so again like certainly i will not be someone who calls out eric bledsoe if he ends up missing three weeks because of this injury because again um rib injuries really hurt and you know like any movement generally require like you, you you become very aware of of the fact that you know moving your body, shooting, jumping, all these things <laughs> require, you know, your torso. And it's kind of hard to do stuff that doesn't involve, um, involve your ribs. So, um, so anyway, that's my very unscientific, um, somewhat anecdotal, uh, kind of response to it. But, um, but absolutely. I mean, you know, I think the, the guard position more generally, maybe the shooting guard spot more than the point guard spot was obviously kind of the concern for the Bucks coming into the season. And the fact that, um, you know, you're losing your all defensive first team, um, fringe all-star guy in Aaron Bledsoe right off the bat. I mean, it's hardly an ideal thing. Um, but obviously this is where, you know, your general depth and I'd say the infrastructure of the team, this is where you hope that it shines. Right. And the fact that the Bucks can kind of plug and play lots of different guys and seem like they generally can kind of adapt and, and play well, even with that, obviously you, you hope that continues, um, 
although I mean certainly like the preseason I don't know if we want to start talking about these couple games but you know certainly George Hill has not been <laughs> among the standouts of preseason it seems like he's just sort of um, I wouldn't say like going through the motions because I've seen like I mean like I was watching tonight like there was a play where there was a turnover and he was like sprinting to catch up and try to help on defense I mean I don't think he's again I don't think he's like you know, going through the motions exactly but um, it looks a lot more like the early you know or let's say mid-season right after the acquisition George Hill where He's not really making threes. Um, he's not really looking for shots otherwise. And he's just sort of like kind of blending in, which um, it was kind of the George Hill we saw in Sacramento. And then to a large extent in Cleveland, where he kind of faded and people wondered like, okay, is George Hill just like not going to be the same guy? And, you know, fortunately last month of the season and in the playoffs, we saw a much more engaged and attacking George Hill, who obviously had some huge games for the Bucs. Um, but certainly in the preseason, these last couple of games, we haven't seen that. I'm not going to say I'm like super worried about it at this point in the season, but um, obviously just given his age, um, yeah, it's not great to be putting all of your sort of point guard uh, eggs into the George Hill basket. Let's say that. Yeah, he, he has had, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm with you. It's, it's very plainly obvious. He's had a bit of a rough start to the preseason. Again, it, it's really hard to tell whether that is uh, him being a veteran and saying, well, I know we're going to be playing deep into the season do i really care about playing the washington wizards uh b squad or or c squad here in in the in the third quarter in a game that means nothing he is he is 10 percent from from three at the moment through the three games uh yeah he i I think at times there was one play today where still in brown uh george hill was again uh running hard on offense this time looking for an easy one which maybe he was just thinking you know what i just want to get an easy bucket here and still in brown wasn't able to to make the the pass as the defender and I can't remember who that was at that point cut that off and George Hill sort of threw his head back at one point there there was another play where Chris Middleton probably should have uh, boxed out a little better and George Hill sort of uh, I think it was Thomas uh, Bryant put the uh, the tip in over him and George Hill again showed a few signs of frustration tonight but I, I think it's definitely not time to worry about him but you do project that, uh, I know you suggested potentially some other things could happen. We've seen Bud do some wild things with lineups, but is George Hill capable of, when you talk about the way uh, Bledsoe was filtering uh, hard enough to the right, is that a role that we can even expect George Hill can play? Because it, Bledsoe is such a unique defender. He does so many things that really no other point guard, I would say, even tries to do or maybe physically can do. But in, in that regard, George Hill can certainly stand in that position and try and sort of keep almost Harden's back. Uh, obviously, it takes a fair bit of discipline then to not uh, foul uh, Harden as, as he, know, he knows you're there and he's going to take a jump shot. And I think that's why Bledsoe was so effective in that role, sort of frustrating Harden and not without fouling. But it, can the Bucks use that same system with George Hill replacing Eric Bledsoe? I think that's really going to be the question. And do we anticipate they're going to try that? I kind of think they will. Uh, they had some success with that. And I think a lot of it is having Giannis being sort of that free roamer on defense and then Brooke Lopez, who's so disciplined in terms of staying in the paint and, and protecting the rim. The Bucks did such a great job of that last year. So I- It felt like a lot of, in a lot of possessions in, uh, for Hill in that first game in Houston last year, he actually played like much better straight up defense on, on Harden, but Harden just made shots anyway, which obviously is kind of a recurring theme with Harden. Like you can do a lot of things right and it just won't matter. Um, and so I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I think, you know, Hill, his defensive versatility, I think is still a plus. 
Um, again, he can't do it forever, right? At some point, his his body will will not allow him to play the level of defense maybe he has um, early in, in his career. I'm, I'm sure he's not mm-hmm. the same guy he is now that he was five years ago. But, um, you know, I think he generally is still the kind of versatile defender you want. And um, I think especially against Houston, it's going to be interesting because, I mean, last year as well, obviously, um, you know, the fact that you had um, both Chris Paul and, and James Harden. And I'm trying to remember, I don't know if, I don't think Paul played in the first game. I know he played in the second game. Um, but obviously, you know, the fact that they now have Westbrook and Harden um, will be very interesting to see kind of like how they kind of divvy up the the defensive matchups there. Because, um, you know, especially if Wes Matthews is the other, um, you know, the other guard, I, I would probably put, put Hill on Harden just because I think, Hill's a better defender of Harden than Matthews. Um, and I worry more about Harden than, than Westbrook at this point. But, um, you know, it will be interesting to see how much the Bucks cheat off of Westbrook and try to maybe dare the Rockets to pass to Russell Westbrook for open threes. Um, but anyway, we'll have lots of time to kind of preview that later. Um, any other thoughts on kind of that, that point guard situation? Or um, do you want to talk a little bit more about these these last two games that we saw on Friday and Sunday? Yeah, I think we should dive into the games. I think the point guard, as you said, we're, we're going to uh, probably talk about Bucks Rockets a, a, a lot over the, the next week or so or as that game comes up. So I will jump into, I think we should start with the Mavericks game and then we can we can talk about Giannis there. Just a reminder that this podcast today is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. Uh, the Bucks did defeat the Mavericks on. Uh, let me try and work out my days, my across the world days. That was Thursday <laughs> night, fr- right? Fr- Friday in America, sir. It was. Well, there you go. It was. I thought that might have been. Who knows? I'm I'm completely lost. But the Bucks win one eighteen, one eleven anyway. And really, Giannis was not active tonight against the Wizards, but uh, he really did his work pretty early in this one. He finished with 34 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists. He was 3 for 4 from 3, and he took his preseason averages per 36 numbers this is through two games to 46 points, 18 (laughs) rebounds, 6 assists, 61% from 2, and 42% from 3. So, uh, Giannis, it's fair to say preseason basketball is uh, maybe a little bit easy for him. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the, the I'd say the, the first game uh, was very kind of vintage Giannis in the sense that he just sort of got whatever he wanted at the rim and struggled with his jump shot, uh, was 0 for 3 in that first game on Friday. No such issues, uh, hitting 3 out of 4 from 3. Um, for the good of my mental sanity, he also made 5 out of 5 from the line. So, yeah, 34 <laughs> points on 20 shots uh, in just 23 minutes. I mean tough to uh to to say much more about it um i think he had what 20 did he have 27 in the first half, first half i think that's what he what he what he had in the half i think it was tw- yeah i think it was 27 in the half Doncic had 20 um and Doncic was was you know hitting threes and looking very good himself um but yeah i mean Giannis uh, was matched up for for long stretches with uh Christoph Porzingis um it was interesting Porzingis was really just sort of like a spot up, you know, pick and roll, like pick and pop big man. It seemed like we saw very little of Kristaps, like actually using his size, trying to go like closer to the basket, um, which I'm sure is going to be interesting, you know, as far as just 
let me say this. I don't think there's any question right now that this is Doncic's team and Kristaps is going to have to figure out like sort of how he adapts to playing with him. And obviously, you know, as a pick and roll guy, like, I mean, I'm sure he'll be fine, but, um, but it was interesting, you know, for, uh, for Kristaps to be out there, we've seen him have some impressive performances against Giannis. I think back a couple of years ago when the, the Knicks ended up coming back and beating the Bucks in Milwaukee on, I think it was an ESPN game. And, um, you know, Porzingis was great in that game. And, you know, I think he really challenged Giannis driving to the basket. Um, but tonight, you know, neither Kristaps nor anybody else um, really had, had much they could do with, uh, with Giannis. He had a play early on where he kind of basically backed Kristaps down. And then, you know, that classic play now where Giannis sort of picks up his dribble under the basket and you kind of think, does he really have an angle here to make a play? And he basically just, you know, had used his butt to sort of clear Porzingis out and then um, essentially just shielded him and went up with his left hand, finished the layup. I think that might've been his first basket of the game. And from there on out, um, it was just kind of Giannis doing what kind of what he wanted. And we saw a turnaround jump shot from the, from the, uh, from the baseline, um, which again, is one of those like, Hey, he probably needs that shot, but it's really not a very good, high percentage shot. Um, I think we saw a lot more of that two years ago than last year. Um, but if it's going in, okay, that's exciting. We're, we enjoy it. Um, and then, as you mentioned, three out of four from three, obviously, you know, as always, if Giannis makes threes, then we're going to hope that that's something that, that carries over. But, um, but yeah, just difficult to find, um, you know, anything to suggest that the MVP is not um, playing at an MVP level here to start preseason and uh you know he was officially held out of sunday's game with an illness um i'm i'm guessing if it was a regular season game Giannis probably plays um based on the videos we were seeing him over the weekend it, it is he seemed to be fine but um you know i think uh i think eric actually tweeted something out sort of that you know bud has to basically sort of manage him because he obviously only knows one speed and uh preseason or otherwise uh you know Giannis is is going out there to 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 win and to you know basically dominate yeah, and I just I just quickly want to say for poor Kristaps Porzingis is just trying to come back and and sort of ease his way into back into NBA basketball after such a long layoff, and he gets uh, preseason Giannis, who really is not that much different to playoff Giannis, who is just like uh, charging at him with absolutely everything he's got right from the outset. So that was a I would say that's a tough. Uh, a tough way to to try and get yourself back into it but yeah uh, it was interesting because I can't uh, when I'm watching Giannis uh, in these preseason games like I keep just thinking back to uh, the exit interviews last year after the the game six in Toronto and Giannis was so adamant that he learned a lot from last season and he probably went a little bit too hard at times and he needs to just relax a little bit and understand that it's a long season and uh it's a grind and he hadn't played that long before uh, right through to, to May or the conference finals where, where the Bucks played the Raptors. So he said that that was his immediate reaction that, yeah, I probably just need to chill out a little bit and, and understand uh, different situations and what my body needs and, and whether uh, I'm in this game and I need to uh, be playing 100, 110% as, as we know he does. And then he only really has one month or two months off probably before FIBA. And, and obviously FIBA didn't probably go the way he wanted to. He spoke to a little bit to those frustrations that uh, he, he found the FIBA game <laughs> difficult. And then he comes into the preseason. And this is not a guy that is sitting there thinking, I should ease my way into the, to the season a little bit. The, you know, November, October, what does this really mean if I want to be playing until June? 
this is a guy that's looking to destroy anyone and anything in his path in a preseason game that really doesn't mean anything. And he's diving on the floor. He's dunking the ball so hard. He's falling off his feet. He, I, I mean, this guy is not physically capable of taking a step back. No, there was uh, that play where he basically got that offensive rebound and went back in and, and dunked and like mean mugged. And uh, he, he only knows one speed. And I think, I, to be honest, I had kind of mixed feelings about the, the X interview quotes that you mentioned because I, I don't... I don't want to watch a Giannis who suddenly starts settling for mid-range jump shots, right? <laughs> like, um, yeah. I, I don't, I, I, I feel very kind of mixed emotions. Like, yeah, I want him to be able to make mid-range jump shots. Uh, I want him to be able to make three-pointers. Um, but I don't want him to lose sort of like the essence of what makes Giannis great. And I think probably the FIBA experience where he was, you know, so bottled up and defenses were so con- so much sort of just congesting the lane and making it hard for him to kind of play the, the type of NBA basketball he wants to play. Um, I think probably, you know, we're seeing him letting out kind of that frustration here early. And um, I think, he, you know, I think he kind of, I think Eric kind of tweeted out some, some quotes or, or wrote in The Athletic last week that I think he's kind of like looks to Bud to basically be like, hey, you know, like whatever, like Giannis doesn't want Bud to, you know, play him 30 minutes a night. But um, I think Giannis knows that he's not going to be the one that just sort of like eases through games. Like he just can't, he's not wired that way. Um, and I think, I think that's a good thing, right? <laughs> like, you know, um, I, I think if, if it's Bud just playing him fewer minutes, if it's them strategically resting him, I, I think that's fine. And again, like, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm very hesitant to say like, oh, Giannis, like just, just play like uh, 90% in some of these games. Like, I, I don't, I mean, what does that even mean? Right. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm fine with, you know, if they want to shut him down the rest of the preseason uh, and just, you know, get to uh, get wait to the regular season. Hey, I'm fine with that. Um, I think we see a guy who is uh, he's ready. Um, he's not, uh, he's not working his way into shape. Um, he's not a guy that you know necessarily needs it. I think, the only thing as far as game reps that matters, you know, maybe just the um, obviously just three point shooting and um, feeling confident there. But, you know, look, a year ago, I, I don't I remember the numbers, but he had actually like a pretty good shooting preseason in terms of threes. And then the regular season starts and he started whatever it was, like five out of 50 or something like that. And just could not make a three pointer when the regular season started. So who knows? Right. I'm, I'm not going to read too much into him having some some three-point shooting uh luck or or skill or whatever you want to call it you know, that we've seen early on but obviously um at a macro level everything starts with Giannis and the fact that Giannis um looks as unstoppable or more than we've seen in the past is a plus and you know I think a lot I think part of this is too is like look in the preseason teams are not coming out with specific game plans to stop you know the MVP they're not going to throw like doubles every time they're not going to throw out like you know the two three zones they're not going to do really weird things that they don't normally want to do in the preseason and i think even in the early regular season I mean, we saw it with the bucks last year but i think it also applies to how teams defend Giannis. like he's sort of a singular type of player um so it's one thing for you know the raptors with all of that defensive talent to you know write up a game plan that is different and really effective but i think night in and night out i don't know we'll see i mean we'll see if more teams try to double him this season um but fundamentally, I mean, everybody has known the scouting report on him for years and years and years, right? It's, well, oh, force him to shoot jump shots. Okay, well, good luck. <laughs> you know? So um, I think certainly uh, the, the, the reality of trying to defend him with a single defender, uh, we can see just 
does not work. And um, again, even teams that have like multiple guys throw at him, it's it's just really hard. And the guy is really, really good. And and again, he uh, he looks every bit as ready. He's he's a guy who usually starts fast. And certainly, again, you just knock on wood that he's going to start the season healthy, feeling good. And um, from everything we're seeing so far, obviously, uh, I think we're ready for for hopefully a repeat MVP season from this guy. Yeah, no question. I, I do. I mean, we are at the point now, and there's only one preseason game left before the regular season anyway, but we've probably already reached the point, and maybe we reached that after after the first game, but is there really any benefit in him playing another minute of preseason basketball? Like, what are you actually going to get from that? Probably nothing. Uh, it's probably more a question of can you – <laughs> how how is difficult is that conversation going to be? Yeah, Giannis, you're not playing again. Maybe he will come out uh, in the season opener. I, I don't know. Full of full of rage. I'm not sure. He, he we know that he likes playing, and now the Bucks have quite a few days off before uh, the last preseason game, and then another little break before the season opener. But uh, yeah, I, I I do agree that he hit hit some threes against uh, Dallas. I think the big thing was that. There was no hesitation. You touched on uh, both on Twitter and, and just before on the podcast, that out of bounds play where he gets the ball straight back. There was no hesitation. There was no dribble. Didn't appear to be any noticeable hitch that we've seen before in his jump shot. And I think that was probably far from me being a, a shooting expert, but I, I think that was maybe something that you saw in him and we've seen in him over the past few years where uh, rather than just shoot the ball, uh, he will he will take that one sort of settling dribble, I guess, and then throw it up. And, and we know we've seen it at the free throw line when he tends to think about things a little bit more. It doesn't seem to go his way. So I guess that was a positive. I saw at one point, and this was uh, when he was missing some free throws in the in the first preseason game he played. It looked like Five was on the sideline. Uh, I don't know what he was doing. Like telling him to, to follow through. He was doing a shooting motion with, with Giannis after he missed some free throws. Clearly, that's still going to be something... Uh, that, that he does have to work through. Um, and, and again, I, I think that the comments about him uh, not slowing down, taking things a little bit easy, were probably Giannis saying the right things uh, after the, a tough way that the season ended. I, I think Giannis is Giannis. He is the competitor that he is, and, and that's never really going to change. So uh, I think, you know, what we saw in FIBA basketball clearly it didn't take long for Giannis to get back into the NBA and, and, and feel confident. And I would say it's been a pretty comprehensive couple of games from Giannis in the preseason. Let's say this. I'm very happy that we're almost done with the preseason. Uh, just the Mac fun game uh, coming up on Thursday. So I encourage everybody who's in Milwaukee to go check that out for sure. Uh, supporting obviously a great cause in fighting childhood cancer, um, but also one last chance to, uh, to see the Bucks maybe a bit for a bit cheaper than you might normally get to see them for. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, we'll see. I'm, I would guess Giannis probably plays just cause it's a home game and it's, you know, the Mac fun game. Um, but to, to your point earlier, do I need to see Giannis play 25 minutes? No, um, I'd be fine if Giannis plays like 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Um, and then they've got that, that week full week off before the, uh, before the Houston game. Yeah. I think that that's possibly the, the big question that they might be asking themselves uh, is that are we going to give Giannis what would be, I mean, it would be nearly, that must be nearly a two week break if Giannis doesn't play uh, in this last preseason game. So maybe that, maybe that is the thing that, that comes into sort of their calculations as they're trying to figure out what they want to do with this last preseason game. But uh, it's been a fun, I mean, you touched on it. It's been a fun preseason. I think you can't, or you don't, 
necessarily take a lot from that and you just sort of pick bits and pieces that are intriguing more than really telling of anything we're going to see. But uh, I think for the most part, we understand this Bucks team pretty well. We know they're going to be good, but uh, obviously it's going to step up pretty quickly in the regular season because they have got a tough start and, and uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they transition into that regular season play. But I, I think... I, I, I think... I think we've touched on pretty much everything. I mean, the only thing this podcast was missing was you did a, re- a two reads for manscaping and you did not make a down under <laughs> reference, um, which, you know, for an Australian feel- feels like a miss, but we were discussing right before. Um, I feel like I'm also just being an American saying that, you know, I don't do, do people in Australia use the phrase down under very much, or is this like more just, a rest of world uh expression and it's kind of like you know like people from uh you know the midwest or east coast referring to san francisco as frisco like nobody <laughs> in san francisco calls it frisco i i have this i have i would guess that people from australia don't ever refer to the place they are in as downtown hunter but uh, i don't know i i don't know that for sure no i i don't think i've ever put it this way i don't think i've ever sort of seen my dad like walk into the room and and sort of asked him how was your day down under there uh, mate and then he just carries on with normal conversation it's not something that i ever use when i'm just here i have and this uh, this has made me cringe when i've done it because uh, i'm like this is not something i should be doing i don't feel comfortable at this but there has been one or two times where i was writing an article for an american outlet and I was writing about Australia or about an Australian player, and I wrote the words down under, and I felt really, <laughs> really uncomfortable about writing that. And I published it, but it's not, yeah, it's it's not something that I would generally roll with. Yeah, I mean, d- d- I mean, you guys don't talk of like America as being like you know up over or something, right? Like, so so why do you guys have to be down under, right? I mean, it's it's very. It's a very, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, um, you know, America centric, I guess, uh, thing to say, or European centric thing to say to refer to you guys as being like, oh, you're down, you're down over there, right? Which, uh, again, if uh, it's very ethnocentric of, of us to to say to say down under, so uh, so I understand that, but I'm glad that it, it for for some reason it it uh, it does it does resonate with us. Just likewise, you probably have never observed to your dad that the uh, you know the toilet bowls. Uh, you know, uh, spin the other way or, or whatever it is uh, in the Southern Hemisphere. That's just normal to you guys. Um, so so it is what it is. But see, Kane, these are the types of bridges, cultural bridges that I look forward to continuing to build with you here uh, on the Lockdown Bucks podcast. So, uh, you know, hopefully you, you've, you obviously know all about America because you spent a year in Wisconsin covering the Bucks. Um, but alas, I have never been to Australia. I hope to do it at some point. Um, but until that happens, I'm just going to ask you stupid questions such as the one I just did. No, any and all questions are welcome. We, we, I'm actually surprised, and this is definitely going to happen. It's just inevitable that this is eventually going, something's going to happen and you're just going to ask me what the hell I'm talking about or what I just said. Like, I, I know that that is going to happen. Uh, we've, we've got through here. Uh, without without that occurring, but there's going to be a time where I'm just rambling on talking about something, and I'll say some saying or some I don't know some word that that you will just maybe just laugh or just in general have absolutely no clue what the hell I'm talking about. 
try to work them in, try to keep me on my toes um, so that I'm not just zoning out. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I feel like Australia probably has known for having like the best uh, like weird slang phrasing that, you know, I think people have maybe seen sort of like, you know, jokes where where someone will just do a whole monologue using random slang that is complete, you know, complete gibberish to uh to to a non-australian so uh so just do that a lot you know just keep me on my toes uh it amuses me uh but uh, maybe good for the first our first podcast without eric that you uh that you hold off <laughs> yes I, I would definitely try to to slowly slide those in and and eric did say when he was in australia there was times where we were having conversations and he said i had no idea what you were talking about with your friends literally no idea what that whole conversation was just about so i will try and throw that in but uh i i think we might be able to wrap it up that's there it if you're uh if you're feeling good about that so thank you for guiding me through it's uh it's uh opening week i guess for me with with locked on bucks and uh we promised you were going to stick around so i know there was a lot of uh anxiety among the listeners whether you would still be here but this is proof you you haven't got anything else no. going on or whatever treading water in life <laughs> well thank you frank and thank you to our listeners for for uh, tuning in i'm kane Pittman, and we will talk to you tomorrow